Greetings, my phantoms. Thank you so much for stopping by and making Paranormal Prowlers Podcast part of your day. Those tunes you just heard are, of course, courtesy of the amazing Bobby Mackey. And as always, I am your host, Tessa Morrow. Okay, so I always do this. I love it. It is Halloween season, my friends. I wish it could be like this all year round. You know, the air is crisp. It feels good. The leaves are changing. I swear, I'm up here in the mountains right now and uh, left my tombstone, so that makes me sad. But I'm in my other happy place, which is way up in the mountains, nestled, surrounded by the trees, Going to make some hot cocoa pretty soon here. Had some horror movies going on all day yesterday. Got some Poltergeist in, some Christine, Pet Cemetery. So many awesome, phenomenal things going on. Doing the same today as well. It's Halloween season. Yeah! Just had to get that out of my system, so sorry. And also, speaking of Halloween... You know, this is going to be my third annual year of Halloween spookiness going on, released on Halloween itself, and I just wanted to throw it out there that any of you guys who have something spooky to share, whether it's a legend that you grew up hearing from your elders, or a local haunt, or haunted history, an investigation, a sighting, something, If you want to share, I would love to have you featured on this episode, as they are always awesome. I always love hearing all the different things that people love to share, so you are invited. I am just saying that I need whatever it is by October 29th, because all day, the 30th, Tessa is going to be busy editing, 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 and recording, obviously. So, the ways you can do this. You can write it down if you're shy. I could keep you anonymous if you want. Hey, if you're still shy but want to use your voice, you can record, send it to me, and I will change your voice. You know how I could change those voices. I can do that for you. Uh, So, yeah, write it down, send it to me, or record it. That's all I got to say about that. In the historic waterfront gateway city that is Sanford, Florida, you can find Sanford Field where Jackie Robinson first started his baseball career in 1946. Home to the creatures, the botanical gardens and parks, and oh, so much more. Interstate 4 goes on through this town and people traveling on it, getting from here to there, they might not even have a clue of what happened here long ago. You know, I travel a lot, and I always, I see 
crosses on the side of the road and I forgot where it is but like there's a stretch like between the median you know there's a two lane going here two lane going there on the other side and then there's this like forest median and you can still see the road but so many people have died there like it seems like every mile I'm seeing a cross on the side of the road and it's just so incredibly sad I always just like you know, keep those people as I pass by, um, in my thoughts because, you know, what a horrible way to go. But so anyways, there's certain places that you could go to and it's just like, you don't even know what you're driving through. You know, like I, there's this place in California and I forgot what it's called now, but I always, when I lived in that area and I would travel through I always just felt like the sense of dread and, and the weather was fine. The, no rain, no snow, no sleet, no slick, no nothing. And I just always felt like on edge and just like sometimes even feeling like I was about to cry. And later I found out that several, several, several people have died there. And so just, you know, it's insane. But anyway, there's some dark history connected to this here section of I-4 in Sanford, Florida. In fact, it's considered one of the most haunted highways in the United States. But, you know, let's rewind back just a little. Taking us back in the 1870s, my friends, a extremely wealthy diplomat and real estate god tycoon, Henry Shelton Sanford, makes his way to the area. He had quite an impressive history behind him. Really, he did. Honest Abe himself appoints Sanford as the minister to Belgium back in 1861. And in 1869, he is nominated by yet another U.S. president, Ulysses Grant, to be U.S. minister to Spain. Well, Sanford, however, he was not willing to uproot his life and move him and his family to Spain. So Grant ultimately went with somebody else. But still, what an honor, you know, two presidents. Back to the area that later would be named after him, Sanford, hello. Henry, who had bought well over 12,000 acres, markets the entire south side of the shore of gorgeous Lake Monroe to mostly German immigrants and citrus farmers. A large group of the Germans who founded St. Joseph Catholic Colony buy from Sanford a whopping 640 acres. For a while, you know, life is great. Things are going good. People, they're enjoying one another. They're loving the surroundings. How can we be so lucky to be right here at this gorgeous waterfront? Things are good. Things are happy the way they should be. Well, this changes back in 1887. The colony, they suffer an outbreak of the dreaded yellow fever. This takes out an entire family of some sources I see four, and others say no, it was seven people, but it, it takes out a family. Now, their priest apparently had gone to Tampa to help out victims there, and he himself dies from yellow fever. With no one to give the family their last rites, they are buried unceremoniously, and they're basically forgotten about. The colony, they are devastated by the outbreak, obviously, 
and they move on, abandoning their what they considered their precious safe haven, their home. The year is now 1905. A gentleman by the name of Albert Hawkins, a settler, he is passing through and he falls in love with the land. Who can blame him? It's beautiful out there. He decides to stay and he purchases some of the land. Well, one day, like any new homeowner, landowner, right? He's exploring the area. He comes upon some tall weeds. Tall weeds, my friends, that happen to be concealing something that shocks Albert to his very core. Unmarked graves. Hawkins, he makes a decision right then and there that he does not want to disturb the dead. He is extremely, excruciatingly so respectful. He even cleans up the area. He goes as far as making new wooden crosses to replace the old markers. And he builds a fence around the mini cemetery. He posts a sign on the fence warning people, Hey, please, show your respect. You could see, but do not enter. Please, this is a private burial ground. Almost immediately after this happens, nearby neighbors begin to experience odd happenings. Things that they just simply cannot comprehend, explain. You know, like they are seeing these things moving all by themselves in their homes. Oh, okay, I've been here for like 20 years. Why is this happening right now? You know, what is the cause of this shit? Well, everything was fine and dandy, quiet and calm, peaceful and serene. I could do this all day. That was until Albert Hawkins discovered the unmarked graves. He wasn't trying to be disrespectful. He, he was doing the opposite. He was trying to honor the dead. I, I probably would have done the same thing. I'm one of those people that if I see an old little abandoned cemetery, especially when I'm in North Carolina, where sometimes they're not really taken care of in certain areas, I'll go and clean up trash. I like to tidy stuff up, man. I mean, there's still a, a huge tree just taking over this row of cemetery graves. This was from like four years ago, you guys. Like, I wish I could go with a saw, but I think it's a private cemetery. But, you know, whatever. That's not here or there. But anyways, Albert Hawkins, you know, he discovers the unmarked graves. A shitstorm happens. Neighbors are visibly upset. They are very, very vocal. They let it be known to Albert that they are not happy. Not in the freaking slightest. No. Not only were things occurring in people's nearby homes, but witnesses, and many of them, had experienced seeing these weird balls of floating lights floating above the graves. And it's said that one of the neighbors, an unnamed man, well, he had enough. He was sick and tired of this chaos. He needed that calm and serenity back, and he decided to take it upon himself to do something about it. He tears down the section of the fence. In other versions, I saw that he tore down some of the burial markers. Unsure, but this dude was destructive either way. And it said that the day that he did this very disrespectful, dishonorable thing towards the dead, his house is struck by lightning and it's burned to the ground. And at one point, Hawkins himself finds his home in flames after he tried to replace the old crosses that he had put there so many years earlier. He wanted to put newer ones in. He considered this 
a warning to leave well enough alone. Now, sometime in the 1950s, a child believed to be Hawkins' own grandson is playing in the cemetery. Now, it's unknown. I believe Hawkins at this time had passed. So it's unknown if this was intentional or if the horseplay just got out of hand like children often do. They get too excited and I get it, whatever. We were all there at one time. But the young child kicks over one of the crosses. The next day, he is killed in a hit-and-run accident. Now, sadly, the person behind the wheel who claimed the child's life was never brought to justice or, for that fact, even identified. After all that has took place here and in their homes, the locals began to avoid this patch of land like, (laughs) usually I would say the bubonic plague, but in this case, I think it's appropriate to say they avoided it like yellow fever, since that's what put those poor folks into the ground in the first place, into their premature graves. Now, it soon became known as the field of death. Hawkins eventually passes away, and after a while, word around town is that an interstate is going to be built. Albert's widow did her best to let everyone know about the graves. That if something is going to be built where the unknown family is buried, they need to be respected and properly moved and transferred to other burial grounds. She was promised that this would happen, you know, but it fell on deaf ears. Her pleas. Sadly, there was no existing family members and no one to help with the funds to move an entire family. So the interstate was basically just kind of built right on over on top of them. I mean, so much for resting in peace, right? Cars going over your bodies all day and all night. What's messed up is, I mean, this whole thing is messed up, obviously, but what's messed up is they originally did mark where the graves were and they addressed the situation. They really did have plans on doing this, but for reasons unknown, that did not happen. I mean, I get it. There's no existing family members, especially since we don't really know who these people were, but do the honorable thing. I'm a huge person about respecting the dead, obviously. And, you know, to me, that just doesn't sit right. And so if that happened to me, I would haunt the hell out of the place too. One of the engineers was even quoted saying some sarcastic, smart-ass comment like, it's not an ancient Indian burial ground. They're just some old bones. <laughs> really, dude? Maybe you're some old bones now. The field of death kept true to its name the first day the intersection was opened in town. And I mean the very first day. It said that a tractor trailer hauling some frozen shrimp loses control and goes all over the place. Several people were killed. Then in 1960, Hurricane Donna came on through, and it said that she was headed in one direction, but changed the route and went straight towards Sanford. Then in 2004, Hurricane Charlie comes through, costing millions in damages. The same thing, like it was on a different route and changed. And to me, that would be scary. Hurricanes, no joke. That's why I'm never in North Carolina, you know, this time of year when things are happening and brewing up. 
The stretch of Interstate 4 that goes through Sanford has also been referred to as the dead zone, besides the field of death, the dead zone. Many things happen here that people cannot explain, comprehend, debunk, whatever you want to make of it. Some have experienced intense cold spots. Very noticeable being in Florida. <laughs> Reports of folks hearing strange static or eerie sounds of children laughing coming from their electronics. People have claimed to see apparitions walking on the road, shadow people darting about, balls of light darting across the road, seeing unexplained mists and mysterious fog. Now, I watched a news report on YouTube about the paranormal being linked to the dead zone. And it shows a picture of what at one time was probably a nice vehicle. The car was completely totaled. And it wouldn't shock me if all in the car died, unfortunately. And in front of the car was this like misty-like apparition figure. Many have experienced seeing ghostly hitchhikers. Can I have a ride, please? I promise not to kill you. EVPs have been captured as well. Many catching the questions, why? And who's there? Not only that, but semi-trucks, phantom trucks, have been seen going on their merry way. Some have heard weird voices coming from their phones. And a medium who visited the area had claimed to have seen several orbs crossing I-4. And they communicated with her saying that they are, quote, earthbound and feel their lives were taken away from them, unquote. I'm thinking most spirits feel this way, right? I mean, for the most part, unless you live to be like 110 years old and feel like you did every single thing possible in life that you can do. I, Sorry, but yeah, I think that we all feel that way for sure. One man grew up in the area, often visiting and staying with family in the area, and he clearly remembers seeing these grave markers of the family. He grew up being told to respect the graves and not to mess with them. Now, while going over Lake Monroe, several have experienced their radios going haywire. Semi-drivers have encountered their CB radios go crazy with static. But all is well before this area. Like, you know, your whole trip, you're doing good. And then you just get into this tiny little area. And then you pass it. And then everything's okay again. It's like someone just flipped a switch. Goes back to normal. Just be lucky you don't run into Large Marge out there. Ten years ago, along the same stretch of road, in a dense fog, just like this. It's said that since 1963, that well over 2,000 accidents have taken place here. In a seven-year stretch alone, from 1999 to 2006, there was 440 crashes. That's insane. And I saw one person share a very sad experience regarding a fatal accident in which they lost two near and dear friends. This person cannot stress enough that the driver was a very responsible and cautious driver and fully thinks that it has to do with the dead zone and the paranormal. The accident occurred right as they got off the bridge. And you know, for reasons unknown, they drove right off the highway and right into a tree. This impact was so excruciatingly severe that this person said it split the car into three different sections. 
The friends were found deceased, ejected from the car and into a marshy area. And to this day, it's unknown what actually caused the accident. And I think that's why this person was just kind of like, look, it's not like they were like racing or swerving or, you know, showing off or whatever. No, this was a responsible person. So this is not the first time and it sadly won't be the last. My thoughts and prayers to all those who've lost their lives on this dead zone, I-4. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Yes! Listen to the others. They're all phenomenal. Haven't heard every single one yet? There's really no need to cry. You can just head on over to any of those kick-ass podcast platforms, such as Podbean, Spotify, CastBox, Deezer, Apple Podcasts, wherever you may roam. To listen to your other spooky podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers podcasts lurking in the background. This week's special city shoutouts go to Hilton Head Island, South Carolina, East Los Angeles, California, Bangkok, Thailand, Op, Alabama, and Schurz, Nevada. As always, it is super appreciated. Thank you so much for listening in. Be sure to check out next week's episode. And don't forget, if you want to be part of the Halloween episode, you just need to write your stuff down or record it and send it to me by October 29th. Thanks, and we will see you next week.